Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. The United States Steel Corporation, half a million employees and stockholders, presents the Theater Guild on the Air. United States Steel presents the Theater Guild, one of America's foremost theatrical producers, bringing into your home every Sunday evening from the stage of the Vanderbilt Theater in New York, the most famous plays of Broadway. Tonight we bring you Three Men on a Horse by John Cecil Holmes and George Abbott, starring Stuart Irwin, who plays Irwin, the greeting card rider, Sam Levine, who plays Patsy, and Shirley Booth, his girlfriend, Nick. Lawrence Langner, co-director with Teresa Halburn of the Theater Guild, to tell you something about the play and the players. Mr. Langner. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. As part of our program for giving you a cross-section of the Broadway theater, we've selected a famous farce for you tonight, and we've cast in it three of our favorite actors, Stuart Irwin, whose name is also Irwin in the play, Sam Levine, and Shirley Booth both of whom were featured in the original production staged by George Abbott. This is the story of a little man whose business in life was writing verses for greeting cards. Like all poets, he was a dreamer, too, and his dreaming took the form of horse racing. He loved to bet, but only in his imagination. He'd sort of dream up the winners. It's when his poetry and his horse racing meet that his troubles begin. And our play revolves around that situation. But just a moment. Here is Sam Levine, who played Patsy in the original cast and in the picture, and also to over a million GIs in Europe. So we let him tell it. All right, Patsy, go ahead. See what I mean when I say life is peculiar. It ain't even peculiar. It's, it's worse. I'm standing in front of you, a man who could have been a millionaire, but multi, multi. Well, what's the difference? Rich. I don't mean from stealing. I mean from straight honest labor, from betting on the horses. Well, to make a long story short, me and my buddies, Frankie and Charlie, and my girl Mabel, we go down to the Jamaica track one day with our last 40 bucks. Five minutes later, we got ten bucks left. We're standing in front of a parallel mutual window with the ten spot between us. The last race begins in a couple of minutes. We look at each other. Little Frankie, Big Charlie, and Mabel, and me. Hey, Patsy, listen to me. Big Steve looks awful good to me. But Charlie, but Frankie, if we lose this ten spot, we ain't got no supper tonight. That's right, Patsy, darling. Don't bet anymore. All I got left is two cans of chicken a la king in my room. What's wrong with chicken a la king? What's wrong? I'm beginning to cackle, that's all. 
Save the chicken, Ella King. We may have to trade it in for tomorrow's racing form. What'll we do with ten bucks, Patsy? We ain't in business with ten bucks. You might as well put it on something. Sure. We got the train tickets home. Big sneeze looks awful good to me, Patsy. What do you say, Mabel? Lay it on? All right, but... Don't ask me to hock my dresses again. If waist comes to waist, Patsy can hock his solid gold belt buckle. Again, my buckle. Every time a horse looks good to him, I walk around holding up my pants. <laughs> hey, the windows are closing. Lay on big sneeze, Patsy. Hurry up. Big sneeze. Big sneeze, big sneeze. Okay, okay. Hey, say, I suddenly got the same feeling as you, Frankie. Ten bucks on big sneeze. On the nose. <laughs> The upshot is, the next morning I go across the street from the hotel, and when I come back, I'm holding up my pants. So what I'm getting at is this, to show you how really life peculiar is. At the very minute that I am returning from the hot shop, a man named Oywin, who lives in Ozone Heights, is getting ready to leave for his office. Now, at the time, I never even heard of no fella in Ozone Heights named Irwin. But now I know that he's a very nice fella. Forty bucks a week, a vacuum cleaner, a lawnmower, and a six-room house. You know, that type of fella. The kind of a house exactly like every other house on the block. You know, the kind of a block where everybody's got a dog, so at night they can find which house is theirs. morning, the sun was shining, the way it does in the subways. Oywin comes into the living room looking for his hat, and he sees his wife. She is crying. She is crying, and unbeknownst to me, that is, uh, without me knowing it, my life begins to gradually turn upside down, inside out. Uh, what's the matter, dear? Is something in your eye? I'll be all right, Irwin. Oh, what's the matter, Audrey? Can't you tell me? I'm late for work. You were going to stay home from the office one day this week. Yeah, but not today, sweetie. How in heaven's name am I going to turn out 67 Mother's Day greetings, and they just have to be in today. You could write them in the country. You know I've never been able to write in the country. The birds and the butterflies distract me. Well, there are when you... Hey, wait. Wait, how's this? The birds and the butterflies send you a greeting. It's spring, and today in memory we're meeting. Mother's Day number 11. <laughs> I'll call that to Mother on Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, what's the matter with you, Audrey? Erwin, you don't love me anymore. Why? What's happened? I'm going to wait till my brother gets here. I just phoned for him to come over. Then I'm getting out. Every time you get mad at me, you call your brother. Why do you do that, Audrey? He understands things. He's a businessman, not a poet. Businessman. Look out the window at those 46 houses. It took a world war to get people to buy them. My greeting card verses are read from Asbury Park to Seattle. War or peace? Uh, oh, gee, Clarence. I wish you'd ring before you come into my house. I built this house. But I bought it. At that price, it was a gift. I... What's the matter, sis? You look all upset. Has he been doing anything to you? Oh, Clarence. I sent Erwin stew for the cleaners this morning. You needn't say more, sis. Irwin, your cleaning bills are entirely too high, and I insist... No, I mean I found this little notebook in the inside pocket. Oh, that. Clarence, look at these names. Shirley, May, Lena, Wee, Nellie, Squeeze. Irwin. <laughs> but listen... Not one or two, Clarence, but pages of them. Look at these phone numbers to make a six, six, two, three, one. But 
darling, I... What is this, a harem? It's no harem. It's only a hobby. Only a hobby? They're all horses, dear. Horses? Yes. What do you do, call them up when you're lonely? No, no. Oh, I... I just dope them out. Well, that's a new word for it. But you happen to be married to my sister. Now, listen to me. One day I came across the racing paper on the bus, and I found out that the fellow who doped them out wasn't so good. So the next day I did it for fun, and I've been keeping track of them in that book. It's just the past the time, like some people do crosswords. Crosswords do not have telephone numbers. Oh, well, they're not telephone numbers, sweetheart. See, J- Jamaica Six, that's the sixth race of Jamaica. And then six, two, three, one. Well, that's the order I thought the horses would finish. On on this other page is the way they actually did finish. You mean you guessed all of them, right? Sure, Clarence. Oh, once in a while I miss, but usually What's I... What's number? 896-50. That's what I made the week of January 20th. $896.50. You made that much and never told me? Oh, I never bet on a horse, sweetie. This is all on paper, uh, like a game. Erwin, you've been winning money since January, and nobody but you knows about these secret bank accounts. I have one bank account. Suppose you die, a bus crash, a horse kicking you. Horses don't kick me. Think of Audrey. Where are you keeping this money? In Audrey's pocket. And I don't want you telling me what to do anymore either, Clarence. Sure. What do you care if my sister walks around without a rag on her back? She's got plenty of rags on her back. Listen how proudly he says it. Well, His uh, wife walks around in rags and Oh, he... shut up. Where's my hat? I'm getting out of here. Betting is immoral, Irwin. Especially secret betting. You'd think you'd give me a little tip sometime so I could make a few dollars after I practically gave this house You didn't you. give me this house, and there's always water in the cellar. Irwin, you'll hurt Clarence's feelings. And the water in the cellar ruined my whole fishing outfit, and now I won't be able to go fishing this year. Where are you going, Irwin? To the office to make money to buy more of those fourteen ninety-eight rags for your back. No, Irwin, I want you to spend everything for a new fishing outfit. He's got enough socks away to buy a whole river. Sure I have. Don't believe me, darling. Believe Clarence. He knows everything. He's the only builder in New Jersey who builds houses with fishing privileges in the cellar. Irwin! Goodbye! Lavalier Hotel Cocktail Lounge. Yeah, this is Harry, the bartender. Oh, wait a minute. Frankie, Charlie, Gus wants to know if you're going to place any more bets today. We're still doping. Gus, they're still doping. Yeah, they'll call you later. Hey, look, you guys, I don't mind you using the bar for an office, but make believe you're drinking in case the boss comes in. All right, set up a small beer. Oh, afraid of drowning, huh? How about you, Frankie? I'll have an extra straw. We're waiting for Patsy. He's getting his belt buckle hot. We'll have money in a couple of minutes. Yeah, and Mabel is hocking her dresses and her bracelets. Boy, it's a good investment to give Mabel a present. She's always so nice about hocking it for you. Yeah, well, let's get down to some figuring here. I think the Doid race ought to be Rose Cross. Yeah, Rose Cross is hey, pretty Hey, hey, uh, move down to the end of the bar. Here comes the customer. Okay, okay. Hey, what's he talking about? Hey, I think he's crying. Let him cry. We got the Doid race to dope out. Yes, sir. What do you have? I've been so sad all day. What's good for forgetting? Forgetting? Mm-hmm. Well, none of it will help you remember anything. How about a scotch for you? Fine. You know, I should be at the office now. But I'm not there. 
No, that's right. You ain't. Her brother thinks he's so smart. He can't even build a house without water in the basement. Well, that's the way it goes. Some can, some can't. <laughs> now, now I can't take my fishing trip. Maybe we should pass up the third race. What looks good in the fourth? What? What are those fellows doing at the end of the bar? They're trying to decide on a horse to play. They live in a hotel. Do you think they'd mind if I gave them a horse? They'd never remember to feed it. Uh-huh. I mean, a, a tip on the third race. Oh, oh, well, I think it might be better if they made the choice themselves because if they lost, they wouldn't feel so good. You mean they wouldn't like me? You got the idea. Uh, do what you like, Charlie. I'm going to wait for Patsy. Maybe he'll have something. Well, I'm playing Rose Cross. Oh, no. What's that? Don't play Rose Cross. Semester's going to win the third race. Semester, eh? Mm-hmm. Look, bud, Semester ain't won a race since they invented horseshoes. I'm going to use the phone, Harry. But Semester's going to win. Hey, don't bother him. He's phoning the bet. Well, I have it right here. Third race, Semester. See? In my little black book. Look, bud. I know you got it from the horse's mouth, but you shouldn't know to believe what a horse tells you. Hello, <laughs> Charlie. A dollar to win and one to show on Rose Cross. No, semester, semester. Ah, shut up! You're holding up production. Yeah, well, squeeze me in, will you, Gus? Okay, Rose Cross. The race is starting. We nearly didn't make it. Hi, right, boys. Hey, Patsy, we've been waiting for you. Harry, get out the rope for Patsy's pants. I've been all over town trying to raise fifty. As soon as they see me holding up my pants, nobody knows me. Mabel is out trying to raise something, too. Charlie, just put two bucks on Rose Cross. Where'd you get the two bucks, Charlie? I promised to run the elevator tonight. Uh, I was... I was telling them to play Semester, but they didn't. Who's this? Just some drunk. Semester in the third, Haste Bells in the fourth. Oh, my. I don't feel so good. Right over there, bud. Keep oh. going straight. Turn it left. <laughs> That's Gus. I'll get it. Hello? Yeah, Gus. What's that? Say that again. Here's the rope for your pants, Patsy. I had a little time, so I braided it for you. <laughs> okay, Gus. Yeah, thanks. Hey, what do you know? What What do I know? Semester. Semester one? Yeah. Well, so what about it? Well, didn't you hear him? Oh. That's square. That's drunk. He's been trying to give us semester for the last ten minutes. He kept opening this little book. Give me that book, Harry. Hey, let me see. Well, let me see. Don't crowd your father, me. Gee. Hey, got them all figured out. Look, he's got Brass Monkey for the place. Brass Monkey come in. He had Fairweather in semester. They come in, too. He picked every race. Oh, he maybe wrote them down after the races was run. Nuts. I heard him say semester before the race even started. Who is he, Harry? Maybe he's a handicapper. Oh, uh, you know a guy with them out-of-town clothes ain't no handicapper? He said something about working in an office and some water in the cellar. Look at this. Hasty Bell in the fourth. He's got selections for all seven races today. Hey, what'd you get on your belt buckle, Patsy? Maybe we lay two bucks on Hasty Bell. Two bucks nothing. We're laying a roll. Here's 18 bucks, Charlie. Take it around Augustus. The wife's on Hasty Bell. I'm going to the men's room and keep them there till the race is over. But how do we know it ain't a rocket? If it is, I never heard of it. Then it ain't a rocket. <laughs> hey, he looks awful dumb. He looks like a hick, Patsy. A hick, huh? Frankie, go to the public library and look up a picture of Daniel Boone. And that's the biggest hick in the world to look at. But that man discovered fur. <laughs> Come on, Harry, it's more beer. I got four cents. They don't come that small. <laughs> on your income, why don't you take up jelly beans? Yeah, but as soon as Hasty Bell wins, we'll all have plenty of money. Charlie just laid 18 bucks on the nose. Hello, boy. Hiya, Mabel. Oh, hiya, Mabel. Patsy told me to meet him here. 
We have some business to talk over. Oh, that's all right, Mabel. We know where you've been. Kind of embarrassing to me always to be hawking things. But it's all over now. All I got left is the dress I'm wearing. My mother, poor thing, she was right. She said, put your money in gold inlays and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Where's Patsy? He's in there. Where? There. Oh. And he's talking business with a friend. In there? <laughs> well, well, the guy don't feel so good. He just dropped in to tip Patsy off on some fixed races so Patsy could get straightened out. You mean he fixes the races? Well, Patsy, I'm back. Boy, is that guy sick. How'd you make out, Mabel? <clears throat> well, I went to this place on 8th Avenue, like you told me, and yeah. I unwrapped the dresses, yeah. which was very good, as you recall. And he says they wasn't, and I says they was. And he says that ain't the question. He says that they might be worth $40, but that they was only worth $8 to him. And I says that wasn't the right attitude to take. And he says, never mind the attitude. Will you take the 8 bucks? Did you take it? <laughs> good. So... Then I asked somebody on the street where I could sell a parasol with a gold head, and they said I'd have to have an analysis. <laughs> and I said I wouldn't do that. Ah, that's a good girl. Charlie, here's eight bucks. Go on to Gus's and lay it on more and on in the fifth race. But we don't know the results of the fourth yet or anything. How do we I know, know a lot, and I've been talking all. Hey, I'll place the bet on the phone. I'm going up to my room, Pat. My feet hurt. See, it's swell about this friend of yours fixing the races so we can get a roll again. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, swell. See you later, sweetheart. Be sure you win, huh? Sure. Yeah, because if I have to hop what I got on, it won't be so nice. <laughs> you know, I mean, in case I have to go anywhere. Hello, Gus. Oh, this is Frankie. Stock eight bucks on the nose, more than on the fifth. Hey, Patsy. Yeah? It's post time for the fourth. Gus will give me a blow by blow of the race if I hold on. Hold on, here's the nickel. What's the final odds? Eighty dollars, four to one. Forty-one. Terrific. Terrific. Hello, Owen. How do you feel now, Owen? Hey, fellas, his name is Owen. I knew it would be something like that. <laughs> I think I feel a little bit better now. Yeah, you're a much healthier shade of green now. <laughs> sit right down this chair and rest yourself, Owen. Harry, draw Owen a nice glass of beer. In a clean glass. Well, at last, somebody's going to drink something. I hope Owen doesn't have to leave. Owen is not leaving. He's staying here. He gets straightened out. And you want to know something, fellas? Oywin picks horses for a hobby. A hobby? You mean he ain't even a pro? He's better than a pro. He always picks winners. Yeah, how do we know he ain't a nut? You know how a guy can get about horses. I am not a nut. I am a valedictorian at Tom Mill Gompers High School. Yeah, I'm here, Gus. Hey, shut up, you guys. The race is on. Shut up, everybody. Yeah, go ahead, Gus. Give it to me. Yeah? They're at the quarter? What is this? Horse race. Oh. Drink your beer. Nicely. Yeah, Gus, go ahead. Joyboy's bleeding. Then little eye. Post grip. Where's Hasty Bell? Oh, gee, Hasty Bell's last. A hobby. Joyboy's up at the half. Who? Little eye taking the lead. Now post grip. Neck and neck. Yeah. Still that way? And Mabel's got no more dresses. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Go ahead, Frankie. Where's Hasty Bell? Give me the stretch. He's passed. He's passed. Who's passed? Who's passed, Gus? Joyboy? Hasty Bell passing Joyboy? What? Hey, talk louder, Gus. Okay. She won. Who won? Icy Bell. And you told me it was a hobby, Patsy. What are you always kidding me? Well, I'm I'm glad to have met you, fellas. Where are you going? Oh, I have to be at the office. You mean you wait? How could I make a living without working? Well, what do you do with your money from the horses? I told you, I never bet. It's just a hobby, like like crossword puzzles. <laughs> well, 
so long. No, no, wait. Huh? Uh, you'll lose your job, Oywin. You can't go to no office looking like that. But I've got to. I'll be late for Mother's Day. You'll be late for what? <laughs> what are you screaming for, Charlie? If a man says he's going to be late for Mother's Day, he's going to be... Hmm? <laughs> what do you mean, Oywin, you'll be late for Mother's Day? Harry, another beer for Oywin. Come on. Uh, I have to get my verses written. Oh, you're a songwriter. No, or greeting card verses for Mother's Day. So I'll run along now, and I'm very happy to have met... Hey, I'll get it. Uh, just one minute, Oywin. Yes. Hey, Frankie speaking. Yeah, Gus. Yeah? How much? Okay, thanks. Well, and I took the fifth race. We made 735 bucks. Oh, yeah, right, my dad. Dad. Well, this guy is a walking genius. He is. He's better than a genius. He's brilliant. <laughs> Two in a row, it ain't human. Well, so long, fellas. Oh, wait a minute, Owen. Why don't you sit down and relax? Yes, but I... I People I... who work in the offices have gone home already. But Mr. Carver will be there waiting for me. He'll be late. When I went to school, it was always better to be absent than late. And not at Samuel Gompers. <laughs> at Samuel Gompers, they... Oh, look. Hmm? We're horse betters. Everything we make will give you 10%. Just pick them for us. What do you say? But my job... Well, I'll, I'll call up your boss and tell him that you won't be in today. Believe huh? me, Irwin, you look like he was run over with ice skates. Now, what's the number, Irwin? Uh, B-O-4-7-6-5-2. Okay. But what'll you tell him? Hey, he doesn't know you. Now, Irwin, oh, Irwin, what's the boss's name again? Mr. J.G. Carver. But look now, oh. Mr. Carver, please. Uh, I don't think I want to go through with this. I... Hello, Mr. Carver? What's your last name, Wayne? Uh, Trowbridge. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my name. But look, uh, I can easily go to work now. Mr. Carver, Owen Trowbridge won't be in today. He got sick on the way to the office. Yeah, terrible. We've been working over him for a long time. He's in the drugstore now. Who, me? I'm the soda joint. Joyce! <laughs> the pharmacist! What's the matter? Ain't you never been in a pharmacy? Sure, like with Malton. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold the wire. Hey, Wynn. He says as long as you have your wake by tomorrow, that's Jake with him. Oh, I'll have it, definitely. Mr. Carver, he says he'll have it in definitely. Oh, my address? Oh, it's no use giving you my address. I'm moving to store tonight. <laughs> to Boston. Yeah. In a moment, we'll continue with the second act of Three Men on a Horse, starring Stuart Irwin... Sam Levine and Shirley Booth, produced by the Theater Guild on the air and presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And here speaking for United States Steel is George Hicks. Good evening. Tonight I'd like to tell you about a man named Bill Bancy. Back in 1937, Bill was working in a CCC camp. He wrote a letter telling of his interest in foundry work of any kind. He sent it to the employment office of U.S. Steel's Carnegie, Illinois, South Chicago plant. A few weeks later, he was notified of an opening as a molder's apprentice and took the job. Bill worked hard during the day and studied just as hard at night. He went to night school in Chicago and also took in a course of lectures by the American Foundrymen's Association, which supplemented the evening classes conducted for employees by U.S. Steel. What happened? Well, Bill finished his apprenticeship in 1940 and became a Class B molder, and then was promoted to Class A molder in January 1943. By December 1943, 
He was assistant to the superintendent of the foundry and pattern shop in charge of technological coordination. Then in July 1945, he was promoted to his present job, the even more responsible and important post of molder foreman. Yes, Bill Bancy is one of the thousands of steel workers who have gone ahead through U.S. Steel's outstandingly successful employee training and upgrading program, a program which provides job opportunities limited only by the capabilities of the individual and benefits not only the individual but the industry and the community as well. We pause now for station identification. The curtain rises on the second act of Three Men on a Horse, one of America's most hilarious farces, starring Stuart Irwin as Irwin, Sam Levine as Patsy, and Shirley Booth as Mabel. Imagine after two hours with Irwin picking the horses for us, we got a strong smell of Palm Beach and 20 years of breakfast in bed. Me, I take a short walk to the hock shop for my belt buckle. Mabel comes trotting back to my favorite broker with a five dresses and says to me, Hey, Pat, it feels just like old times. Ain't it nice of Irwin to fix the races for us? But I ain't got the patience to explain to her. Besides, it wouldn't make no sense to Mabel anyway. She used to dance in the follies and got hit on the head with a champagne bottle. But despite all the dough Irwin is making for us, he don't feel so good. So he sleeps all night in my room to sober up, which is all right. We had him locked in anyway. Meantime, over across the river in Ozone Heights, excitement is really going on. Oh, Irwin, my Irwin, where are you? Where are you? Will you stop that wailing, Audrey? That worm isn't worth it. I told you not to marry him, didn't I? Remember what I said to you? I said, don't marry him. One look at him and I knew he'd never make Kiwanis. What's happened to him? He never stayed away all night in his life. A married man playing horses. It's disgraceful. I help him along. Let him have a house on easy payment plan. Does he come to me with a good thing? Oh, no. no. Maybe that's him. Oh, oh. oh, Mr. Carver. I've been trying to call you all morning. Hasn't he come to work again? Oh, my, where? A drugstore? You mean he's sick? What? Oh, all right, I'll call you if I hear anything. Hello, operator. Give me the police. Hurry. What happened? Irwin collapsed in the drugstore, and his 65 Mother's Day verses are due in today, and Mr. Carver says they're moving the store to Boston. <laughs> I guess he drunk too much last night. Look, his verses are all over the floor. Wake him up, Frankie. Wake him up. He's got to dope out today's races. I win. Yeah. I win. Wake up. Mm. Wake up. Mm. He was writing them verses till three this morning. Oh. Oh, my head. Uh, what time is it? Twelve o'clock noon. Noon? Well, why didn't you wake me? 
Mr. Carver's got to have my verses today or he'll fire me. Where are my clothes? Now, you ain't going anywhere, Owen. Huh? Frankie, pick up the voices and take them over to Owen's office. That'll be fine. Meanwhile, I can get dressed. Tell Mr. Carver I'll be there in an hour. And she, I- I've got to call my wife. He's so devoted. It's like he wasn't married or something. Now, sit down to bed, Owen. I want to remind you that you got an agreement with us. Now, you were going to pick the horses for us today. But I've got a job. Now, look, I- I- in my breast pocket, I got $112 for you. For me? You mean just from taking the horses? That's right, Owen. Ten percent of what we made yesterday. Today, you stand to double it if you'll just stick with it. Sure, we'll make a rich Owen. And vice versa, I hope. Well, <laughs> gee, I, I never realized I could actually make that much bet- betting the horses. I... That's the beauty part of it, Owen. So get dressed and start doping out the races. Now, go into the other room. Boy, with that much money, I could tell Clarence to go to... All right, now, come on, everybody. Pick up the voices. Yes. Go ahead, let's go. Every... Hey, Charlie, there's one under the bed. Come on, let's... Hey, get a load of this. Why was it that I chose to roam across land and sea so far from home? If that be life, my mother dear, I send this card of love and cheer. Mother's Day, number 37. <laughs> that kicks you, you know that? That yeah. goes right through the heart. If a guy said something like that to me, I... Yeah, yeah, I know. Tell us, I feel we ought to do something big for you, that carver, his boss, that, that big piece of salami, paying him a fast 40 a week for genius stuff like this, for regular Shakespeare merchandise. It's a shame. It's a rookin'. The world should see stuff like this. You ought to put him in bar rooms, pool rooms, railroad stations. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I got it. What? Leibowitz. Jake Leibowitz is the printer next door who does all them classy postal cards for the 5 and 10. Get him on the phone, Abel. Okay, sir. Frankie, take these voices right down to Leibowitz right away. I'll explain to him on the phone. Okay, I'll shoot right over. He's on the phone, Pat. Uh, okay, give me that. Hello. Hello, Jake. Jake, this is Patsy. Well, you ain't that busy. Listen, I want a special job done on voices. Voices. No, not noises. Voices. <laughs> you know, poetry voices. Yeah, like roses are red. Yeah, about a thousand. And Jake, I want them on shiny paper. With lace, maybe. Yeah, I want them nice so you can hang them up in the pool rooms and in the bars. Yeah, Frankie, you'll have him there in two minutes. Now, don't leave before you get him. You're able to make Erwin famous, Patsy. I love an illiterary atmosphere. Well, <laughs> did Frankie take my verses to Mr. Carver? Yes. Now, you don't have nothing to worry about. Mr. You have nothing to worry about. I just sent the voices to Jake Leibowitz. Who is Leibowitz? He's a big printer. He's going to print your voices and send them all over the country. Bar rooms, pools. Leibowitz will put Mother's Day on the map, I will. Oh, what right have you to do a thing like that? Well, Owen, look what we're going I'm to I'm going to lose my job now. If you think this is funny... But I... you'll make big dough out of them now. Then you can tell Mr. Carver to take the 40... But I can't lose my job. <laughs> Mr. Carver's the only boss I ever had, and I like to work for him. You get my verses back, Patsy, or I'll... Boy, I knew you were but he's got the voices. Frankie, go over and get them back. Hey, now, look. I can't get them back now. They're gone. Gone? What's happened to my verses? Oh, nothing. Leibowitz was getting into a cab when I got there. His daughter's having a baby in a hospital, so I congratulated him, and he took the voices with him in a cab. And Mr. Carver is waiting for my verses. Oh, I'll get them back tonight, maybe. Why don't you dope the horses, Owen, and get your mind off it? Horses? How can I think of horses with my 65 Mother's Day verses riding around in taxi cabs? You've ruined me. That's right. what you've done. All right. Frankie, get into a cab and fly all the west side hospitals. Charlie, you take the east side. There's a million Lebo with you. Fine, Jake, and give me no argument. Now, now it's all going to turn out okay. Now, Owen, here's the racing form. Now, just start to figure what... What's he got his eyes closed for? He fainted about a minute ago. Fainted? 
sure he's a genius. Most geniuses faint a lot. But the race has started an hour. Look, I'm going to go down and try to find Leibowitz. Call the bar and get him a bottle of rye. And okay. if he won't drink it, spill some on his face. Sure. But don't let him out of here until I get back. And if he wakes up, keep it illiterary. <laughs> Now, Irwin, should I turn the radio off, maybe? I just wanted it to soothe your head. I'm going to call my wife and get out of here. No, no, wait, Irwin. Uh, Irwin, let me show you the dance I used to do with the Follies. Were, were you in the Follies? Oh, sure. You were? Yeah, I did a specialty. Huh? Of course, I'm a little bigger now, you know. But uh, I used to come out with a sort of a sheet on. We, I, I'll show you, I'll show you with a bedspread. See, and I'd, I'd have it, I'd have it draped on like this, see? And then, then I sort of sing. <laughs> you want to hear it? Oh, I'd love to. Dying, I'm going to where I am. I'm a little Macaian. You'll understand it. Come to my poison garden. I ask God for pardon. As before that temple door we stand. Now, just relax, Mabel, and lie down now, right over here. Oh, uh, I got your voices back. Huh? Hey, what do you call this? Oh, Patsy. Get uh, out of that bedspread, Mabel, and get back to your room. I just got dizzy. I'll get you dizzy, you little monkey. Go on. Patsy, get, get out. You, you shouldn't treat her that way. She only wanted to show This me. is gratitude for everything I've done for you. I no sooner turn my back and you're feeding drinks to my girl. I ought to mobilize you. But she only... I know what she only... What do you take me for, a sucker? Well, give me my verses anyway. I'll give you your voices. He's no, 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 don't tell him. Please, stop. Nobody's going to make a sucker out of Patsy. Hey, so where is he now? In the other room. Crying his eyes out about the voices. Oh, what a dope I am. You should have more faith in me, Pat. I'm getting too heavy to start two-timing you. Uh, I couldn't help it. I lost my temper. Oh, what a dope. Well, you better bring him around, Patsy, is all I can say, or we'll all be making the trip to the hot shop before the week is up. Mabel, Frankie, yeah. come with me. We'll try to apologize. Oh. No. Oh, my person. Oh, you and my friend. My dear, beautiful, wonderful friend, Oywin. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I lost my temper. Listen, Oywin. The way you treated her, you ought to be ashamed. Oh, he is ashamed, Oywin, but I forgive him. He's just 
strung very high. Yeah. <laughs> now, we picked up all the pieces, Irwin. Now, if you want, we'll copy out the voices on new paper. Hmm? Now, I apologize, Irwin. Uh, I'm just that I'm so crazy for Mabel that when I seen her wrestling around with you, well, I... Well, all right, Patsy. Uh, as long as you'll have them recopied. Sure, what? sure, because we got the highest respect for your genius. Hmm? And now I would like to give you 10%. Here you are, Irwin. A hundred and twelve bucks. Huh? Of course, if you saw your way clear to dope out some horses right now, why, we would be willing to bet our all on anything you say. And you might have a thousand bucks tonight. A thousand? I don't like to say this, Irwin, but we did nurse you back to health. Yeah, like you was a baby almost. Oh, gee, fellas, I, I'm sorry. I, I, where's the racing form? You're sitting on it. Oh. Okay, now, fellas, get the elevator boy in the chamber made, and everybody get to work copying Irwin's voices. Frankie, Mabel, come yeah? on, let's, let's get the pieces together. Okay. Here's a sharp pencil, Irwin. All right, I'll try. Now, everybody, start copying the voices and be quiet. So Irwin's brain can work on the racing form. Now, try to hurry, Irwin. We only got about a half an hour before the first race. I get hungry before anything comes out. Don't talk so much. You're busting up his thoughts. Keep copying the voices. Hey, these pieces are all mixed up. I got this one straight except in one word down here in the corner. I got an extra word on mine. What do you need? Something to rhyme with, uh, let me see. We trudged our way on Sunday. Something to rhyme with Sunday. The piece is missing. Nah, the word I got left over is blue boys. Oh, <laughs> uh, how about, uh, undies? That rhymes with Sunday. Oh, no, no. I wouldn't, wouldn't want to use that. Hey, Irwin's got something. He just wrote something on a piece of paper and stuck it under his pillow. Got a, got a selection, Irwin? It's no good. It, uh, don't bother reading it, Charlie. It's no good. Uh, put it back under the pillow. Equipoise. That's the one I was going to pick. Uh, but it doesn't count, I tell you. Why don't it? You wrote it down, didn't you? Yes, but just to get the feel. It's no use. I, I can't figure them out just sitting here. I, I've always done them on the bus. Sure. No wonder he can't figure them sitting there on that lousy bed. Now, come on over here by the window. Here, sit down in this chair. There. Mm. See the fresh air coming in? Hmm? See, that's more like a bus. Just like a bus, ain't it, Irwin? Well, uh, now try. Try. Concentrate. You're on a bus, see? The buildings are passing by. Fair's please. How's your fair's running? Next stop, the Hoboken Ferry. Uh, does this bus stop at Great Dorf Goodman? Not that I'm getting off there, of course. <laughs> concentrate, Irwin. Concentrate. Here, we'll rock the chair for you. Whee! We're going around the corner. See? Oh, it's no use, Patsy. I can't do it. The only way is for me to get on the bus to Ozone Heights. How about a taxi? If Oywin says it's a bus, it's a bus. Frankie, you and Mabel take Oywin home on the bus. Oywin, drop in and see your wife. But call your selections back here as soon as you get into the house. That'll be fine. Let's go. Oh, my poor Audrey. Oywin, no looking out of windows. Just horses. Come on, Oywin. It's free tonight, Frankie. Buy him a soda with ice cream. <laughs> Well, Frankie and Mabel took Irwin home on the bus. And sure enough, passing the Flatiron building, he gets an inspiration, and the minute he gets home, he calls me. Hello, Patsy. Uh, I got some selections on the bus. For the first race, Sunador. Second, Frolic. Third, Motto. Fourth, Mr. Kayam. I'll figure the other races on the way back to the hotel. Goodbye. 
Then he finds Audrey and throws her a big hug. Oh, he loved that Audrey. But he lives up to his promise and gets back on the bus to New York. But at the same time in the hotel, we are still copying his torn voices. When suddenly, the door opens. Who's in charge here? Who are you? I'm Irvin Trowich's boss, J.G. Carver. And I know my rights. I've just come from Irvin's house. And his wife says she's living here with you. You have been stealing his verses. Stealing what? I ain't afraid of you fellows or any other greeting card company in the United States. Charlie, throw the gentleman into the street, will you? Let's go, boy. Oh, take your hands off me. I've been in business since 1898. You can't do this to J.G. Carver. Oh? Yeah, Gus. Oh, swell. I'll call you back. Charlie. Mono took the toy. That means we got three winners for today. What do you want to do now? I want to take everything and put it on Mr. Kayyem in the fort. There's only one thing bothers me, Patsy. Yeah? Remember when Oivin was picking the races on the bed before? So? He wrote down equipoise for the fort, and he hides it under the pillar. Huh? Now he gives us Mr. Kayyem. Why did he change it? Well, he was just warming himself up with equipoise. Like a pitcher winds himself up. Yeah, but equipoise is a great horse. I don't like it, Patsy. I think he's trying to pull something. But why? Why Why would Irwin do anything? Hello, Hello. Oh, gee. You ought to see Irwin's house. Where is he? Oh, he's coming up with Frankie. He what a house, Patsy. A regular porch to sit on and grass and a second floor with beds on it. And, and Patsy, Irwin says he wants to sell it. Okay, buy it. We're trying to decide on the fourth race. Patsy, uh, don't you think we ought to get married if we're going to live in a house? I can get married any day, but I got a four-horse barley under fire, and they don't come up often. Now, Charlie, Patsy, I, want you... I think we ought to buy this house before everything blows us back into the hawk shop again. Why? What do you mean? Why should anything happen? I don't know, but I've been so nervous all day, I shook a rhinestone out of my bracelet. Hello, fellas. Hello. Are my verses copied? Yeah, here you are. We went all in A1 condition, and we won the first three races. Well, isn't that fine? Now, about this Mr. Kime in the port, I went... Say, hey, this is terrible. These verses, these aren't my words at all. Why not? Well, listen. I wonder at the old church stand where we trudged our way on Sundays. I recall how we sat with folded hands. Well, now I don't ever get drunk no more on Tuesdays or Mondays. <laughs> That's no good, huh? No. No, of course not. It should be. Now I don't get drunk anymore. <laughs> we lost the last line, so I put that one in. Mr. Carver would drop dead if he saw this. What you cheapskates ought to do is to hire some first-class poet so everyone wouldn't have to worry so much. When Mr. Kayem comes in, we'll hire a Longfellow. You can't hire a Longfellow. He's away up in Boston. <laughs> Someplace. And anyway, how do you know that Mr. Kayem ain't going to come in last? Uh, yeah, that would be awful, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty good, Charlie. Hey, wait a minute, Owen. We can't lose, can we? I recall how we sat with folded hands. I can't remember that last line. Forget the poetry for a minute, will you? We can't lose, can we, Owen? Well, no, I, I don't think so. Mr. Kayam was your selection, wasn't he? Oh, yes, that's the horse. Then why did you write equipoise and stick it under the pillar before? Just to see how it looked on paper. I, I wasn't sure. Oh, so you wasn't sure. I'm surprised at you fellows. You took care of me yesterday when I'm sick, but now you're getting greedy. I noticed you took your temper, then, all right? Well, of course. Of course. Oywin, you wouldn't by any chance be thinking about crossing us up, would you? How could you think such a thing of me? Well... Okay, boys. Frankie, here's 11,000 bucks. Sock it all on Mr. Cayenne. 11,000? Don't let me touch it. Just stick it in my pocket. Oh, go on. Take it down to Gus's. Hurry up. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
How much are you going to bet, Owen? Oh, I wouldn't bet. What do you mean? Which way wouldn't you bet? Oh, I wouldn't bet on anything. That would spoil it. I'm sure Owen explained that to me. Shut up, Mabel. Owen, I thought maybe you ought to bet on this particular nag. If he's good enough for us to put our shirts on him, he's good enough for you, too. So just give your bet to Frankie, and he'll take it over to Gus's with ours. That's right, Owen. Give Frankie some dough. Well, it'll spoil all my fun, but here's two dollars, Frankie. $2. What are you doing, kidding? No, I'm serious. I think he'll win. We're laying down 11000 bucks, and you want to play a deuce. You can't think much of the horse. All right, then make it $10. Frankie didn't hear you. Then 50 Frankie still didn't hear you. Well, what do you want? Every nickel you got, all your 10%, hand it over. Well, all right, but... Hey, uh, Look, Frankie, put that on Mr. Kyan for Irwin, right on the nose. Oh, uh, uh, wait, Frankie. Fellas, I never bet in my life. And I know that once I do, I'll never be able to pick winners on the bus again. After this race, we'll be able to buy a horse. But what'll I do going home on the bus every day? You'll do crossway puzzles. Hmm? And, Owen, if Mr. Kayam don't come in today, you'll have a new word for dead pigeon. And, brother, it'll start with an E, like an Owen. <laughs> moment, we will continue with the third act of Three Men on a Horse, starring Stuart Irwin, Sam Levine, and Shirley Booth, produced by the Theater Guild on the Air, and presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And here again is George Hicks. Not long ago, a fire broke out in a factory. It wasn't a bad fire, but considerable damage was done. Before the factory could continue with its reconversion, it had to have two steel beams to support a weakened roof. So the factory called on the local steel distributors. One warehouse was able to furnish the beams the factory needed, and repairs were begun in a few hours. That warehouse is one of the thousands of businesses all over the country which distributes the products of the steel industry. There are more than 25,000 of these establishments, ranging from hardware stores in small towns to huge warehouses in manufacturing cities. They supply thousands of customers with the steel products they need. One of the important parts of this industry is the United States Steel Supply Company, one of the members of the United States Steel family. The supply company operates nine warehouses in major cities of the country. It keeps on hand diversified stocks of products manufactured by U.S. Steel, as well as tools and machinery. During the war, these warehouses furnished steel for conversion, maintenance, and repair. Now, U.S. Steel Supply Company is helping to speed reconversion. Quick and efficient service to users of steel is the job of this member of the industrial family that serves the nation, United States Steel. The curtain rises on the third act of Three Men on a Horse, starring Stuart Irwin as Irwin, Sam Levine as Patsy, and Shirley Booth as Mabel. We're sitting around the radio 
studio waiting for the race to begin. To say the least, with 11,000 bucks on Mr. Kayam, my heart is beating. And I don't like the look on Irwin's face, neither. It's blank. Who knows what he's thinking? Maybe he purposely let us win, so now we'd sink everything on Kayam. The minutes go by. Frankie is so nervous, he keeps combing his hair while he's still got it. Charlie's already sneaking hotel envelopes into his pocket. Chewing gum money. And Mabel is sitting with her eyes closed in case she faints. I can almost hear the chicken a la king coming to life in the, in the closet. If we lose this race, we're clean. Are you sure this is the station that broadcasts the race? Yeah. It'll be on in a minute. Oh. I like this station. They have the most commercials about food and all. Whenever we come back from the hot shop, we like to turn it on. You know, in ten minutes, you can listen to a complete meal on that station. I'm talking about hot shops. Oywin. Oywin, you wouldn't cross us up, would you? I'm getting panicky, Oywin. You shouldn't have sent Frankie down with the cash. There he is. Clarence! What are you doing here? You low-down cheat. You couldn't come out and fight me like a man, you... Who is this, Oywin? My brother-in-law, Clarence. Meet me. He pretends he knows all about horse races. He comes home before and leaves a list of selections on the floor. I bet my shirt today and he cleaned me out for that list. What list, Clarence? The list you left on the floor in your house. You knew I'd pick it up sooner or later. You're such a sneak, you think everybody else is. Oh, I know what he means. Yeah, Oywin? Well, what does he mean? Explain, Oywin. Well, on the way home before, Frankie thought that being on the bus would help him make the right selections like it helps me. But he got them all wrong, and I guess he left the list at home. That's a lie. Charlie, throw the gentleman into the street. Let's go. Oh, let's go. Oh, and you little double-crossing Mother's Day crook, I'm clean now. So, you double-cross your own brother-in-law, huh, Oywin? I told you we shouldn't have put everything on Mr. Kayam. Byron wouldn't cheat anybody. No kidding, Patsy. He's too, he's too ignorant. Well, I took away from Kayam. Gus had a share with another bookie. He couldn't handle 11 Gs. All right, we couldn't tune you in earlier, ladies and gentlemen. The race, the race. Shut up, everybody. We'll pick up the fourth race, which is now going on. And a great race it is, folks. They're coming to the quarter now. War glory, good advice. Ladies, man, and Mr. Kayam in that order. I told you, Kayam's a stinker. At the quarter now, ladies, man, moving up. Yes, half Perino. Good advice is holding that lead. Jockey Mead is using his head. And there they are at the half. Good advice, War glory, Mr. Kayam. He's back in third place. Mr. Kayam is driving now, rushing right in there. There's, there's a tumble, a spill. Oh, that's Kayam. Case me stumble throwing his jockey, but... All right, yes, he's getting up a great jockey tough as they come. There they are at the three-quarter pole now, Mr. Kayam leading. He's leading, Pat. Ladies, man, coming up wall, glory right behind. There they come fast into the stretch. Looks like a little shoving in there. No, no, it's all right, I guess. At the stretch now, coming down with a rush at the home stretch is Equipoise. Equipoise, who's been way behind, is now surging up to Mr. Kayam. Neck and neck, fighting it out. Two great horses. What a race, ladies and gentlemen. He's passing. No, not quite. Wait a minute. Yes, yes, that is the finish, and Equipoise wins. Equipoise. He trailed all the way, but he wins in a terrific burst of speed. Mr. Kayam second, and fell out to third in the money. Those who back Equipoise had something to be thankful for today. The fine horse and... Well, that's too bad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just too bad, Oywin. I'm sick, you know. <laughs> I'm just sick to the stomach. Look at my hand shaking. What do you got to say, Oywin? 
Not that it matters, naturally. Well, I guess the handicappers were right. They all thought Equipoise would win. <laughs> yes, I, I guess that's what makes it interesting and sure. memorable, too. <laughs> sure. We're going to give you something real memorial, are we win. Hmm? Boy, what are you going to do? Now, wait. Wait a minute, fellas. This is one horse race you ain't never going to forget, are you win. Now, wait a minute. Let me get a crack at but it. But gee, Mr. Kyam won most of the race. Please. Frankie, turn oh, on the radio loud in case somebody hears us out in the hall. Don't. Don't hear him again, Pat. He knew all the time that was going to win. I didn't. I swear I didn't know. What's happening? What's happening? Deepoy, we're on that floor, Charlie. Okay. No bets are being paid pending an official announcement. It looks like a disqualification to me. What? Well, well, I was all wrong, folks. I was all wrong. Extra boys may not have won after all. The judges have been huddled down there at the stand, and boy, what excitement out there. Wait a minute, folks. What is it, Perry? That must be Perry Mullen, the cop. Shut up. Here is the latest announcement just put into my hand. Extra boys has been disqualified. Mr. Kayam is declared the official winner. Turn off to second, and ladies, men. Oi, What are you doing on the floor? <laughs> you make me so mad. That's it, Oi, Get up now. I'm awful sorry. You make me so mad, I could. Hey, what are you hitting me for? We wasn't. We ain't yeah. get him off of me. Stop hitting Patsy. Cut it out, Oi, Cut it out. Oh, Irwin. Irwin, your wife is here. My wife? Why, why, Audrey? Oh, Irwin, I'm so lonesome. Can't you come home now? Oh, right away, dear. I I was just having a little discussion with my friends here. Mr. I... Carver called me, and I rushed yes? over in a taxi. He's outside, Irwin, and he's asked me to plead with you to give him a hearing. You owe so much to Mr. Carver. Oh, sure. Uh, Mr. Carver? Yes. Well, come in, Mr. Carver. I... Wait a minute. Have these men a contract with you? No, no, they just... Who gave you your start, Owen? You did. Who taught you to rhyme? Remember in the beginning, Tremendous? How long you worked on Tremendous until I gave you tenderness? Who taught you everything you know about Mother's Day? And St. Patrick's Day? And St. Valentine's? Owen, what do we do for the fib that you make? Don't interrupt, Mr. Well, we got, Carver. But we got nothing for the Don't fib. Don't interrupt! Oh, I'll have your office repainted, Owen. And I'll fix the window so it opens. And I'll put your name on the door, and I'll give you $60 a week. Uh, I'll make it 75 Gosh, Mr. Carver. <laughs> Listen, stick with us, Oiwin. You'll make that much per hour. We could buy him his own bus, even. Oh, uh, I'm afraid I can't, Patsy. I won't be able to dope them anymore. But why? Why, Oiwin? You don't want to go back to the salt mines, do you? That modest day drudgery, that poetry mill? Uh, you made me bet, Patsy. I could only do them when it was for fun. Well, make believe you didn't bet. We'll even go so far as to not give you your winning. Yes. <laughs> you could even charge him. No. No, Patsy. It's like when you hear somebody else's problem. You know just how to solve it for him. But when it's your problem, you're never sure of the answer. Can't you see it, Patsy? But look what you stand to make, Oywin. No, Patsy. It was pretty much of an accident that I picked Mr. Kayam. Accident? I really had the feeling for equipoise. But I began not to trust my feelings, so I took Mr. Kayam instead. Oh. You see, it was only a game before, but now so much would be at stake. I couldn't trust myself to do it again. Well, all right, Oywin. So let me apologize for beating you up before. It's all just right. that I got so mad that you missed because, well, after all, money aside, it was a beautiful thing for me, seeing a man getting inspirations like you did. <laughs> and I got mad for your sake that the spell was broken. See? I mean, uh, well, what I'm trying to... What's the matter? What are you holding your head for? 
He's got that look on him again. Quick, a pencil. Here, here, Oywin. Here, what, Oywin, a horse? Remember, it's the fifth of Jamaica. Just just say it, Oywin. Just say it, and I'll take it down. I promise not to let you make a nickel on it. Well, let me see now. The race is o'er. We've won, my lad. Love and kisses to dear old dad. But Oywin, the fifth. Father's Day, number one. <laughs> on a Theater Guild production of Three Men on a Horse, presented by the United States Steel Corporation. Starring Stuart Irwin as Irwin, Sam Levine as Patsy, and Shirley Booth as Mabel. And here again is Lawrence Langner to tell you about next week's Theater Guild play to be presented by the United States Steel Corporation. Mr. Langner? Ladies and gentlemen, before I tell you about next week's play, you'll be interested to know that Cecil Holm, one of the authors of Three Men on a Horse, reminded me recently that he got the idea of writing this play while he was acting in the Theatre Guild production of Mary of Scotland. So you can see the effect of acting in a poetic drama on an innocent young author. And incidentally, Cecil used to raise fancy Angora rabbits for a living before he wrote this play. He lived right near us in western Connecticut. And after the play was a huge success, he gave the fancy rabbits to my son, who left the cage door open and they all escaped. They intermarried with the common or garden Connecticut rabbits, and now we have the funniest-looking rabbits around our home you ever saw. I'm sure one of them must have inspired that famous six-foot rabbit in Harvey. Next week, we're going to bring you The Silver Cord by Sidney Howard, one of the most vital and absorbing plays ever produced by the Theatre Guild. It's a play about a doting mother and the havoc she raises in the lives of her two grown sons because of her excessive devotion to them. Ralph Bellamy and Ruth Hussey are playing the son and daughter-in-law who rebel against too much mother love. You've seen Miss Hussey and Mr. Bellamy on the screen. Just now, they're the stars in New York's latest dramatic hit, State of the Union. In this play, as in The Silver Cord, Mr. Bellamy and Miss Hussey are husband and wife. In State of the Union, however, they're luckier. They have no mother to guide them. And now, here is Mr. Brokenshire again. The United States Steel Corporation hopes that you'll be with us next week at the same time when we'll present Sidney Howard's play, The Silver Cord. like program notes and cast list of tonight's Theatre Guild on the air, prepared for each broadcast with information about the play and the players, simply address U.S. Steel in care of your local station. The staff for the Theatre Guild on the air includes Homer Fickett's director, George Condolph, producer, and Armina Marshall, executive director of the radio department. Music for tonight's play was composed and conducted by Harold Levy.
the play was adapted for radio by Arthur Miller. Your announcer, Norman Brokenshire. the American Broadcasting Company. Thank you for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.